Welcome to the Maris Review. I have two very special guests in the studio today. I'm sitting across from Lane Moore and her chihuahua, Lights. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you about Lane. Uh, She is an award-winning comedian, writer, actor, and musician. The New York Times called her comedy show Tinder Live Ingenious. Her comedy and her band, It Was Romance, have been praised from Pitchfork to Vogue, and her writing has appeared from The New Yorker to The Onion. Um, And she lives in Brooklyn, of course, with her dog child who is here. Lights, do you have anything you want to say? I think she does, but she's so quiet. I know. She'll just... You have to look it in her eyes. Oh, I see it all. You see only loving thoughts. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's pretty excessive. So, Lane, I feel like I want to go back yeah. and think about my reaction to when I read your manuscript. Like, right, which was so different. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it was so long ago, yeah. Um, but, but you kept your book, How to Be Alone, um, first of all, sounds like a like it could be a self-help book, but it is not. But it is. Totally. Yes. That is how I describe it. That yes. Is, yeah, that is how I feel about it. Um, and when I first read it, here, I, I have notes here. Sure, yeah. Because um, what I first sent you was, like, very different from what I ended up doing. It was, like, my first, first pass. And yet, there is something I have to, I want to admit I was wrong. I was concerned that it was yeah. not uplifting enough or not and, totally. and too dark and that's the be- the f- beauty of this book. Yeah. Is that it's not a fucking high five yeah. everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think um and I think and now do you mean do you mean with like what I first sent you or the the result as well? That, both. Yeah. I mean, I think so. the The rough thing about writing it was the very first pass was like I felt this real pressure to prove how much I had been through because mm-hmm. I felt like if I didn't tell people, if I'd said something like, you know, I've been alone pretty much my entire life, uh, I feel like I had to prove that. And also, um, as a woman, uh, you know, often your experience, you can't just say, like, this is true. This right. is a fact. You have to, like, really, really uh, show it. And so in the first pass, it was, like, a lot of, like, just bringing up trauma, whether I was ready to talk about it or not. And then um, what the book turned out being was um, a lot um, – a lot less of that and more things that were implied um, because there aren't as many specifics. Like I always, right. you know, because I didn't want, I just, I reached a point in my own, um, in my own journey of writing it where I was like, you don't need to like list every single date and time right. like you're in front of a judge. Right, like, right, right. And, <laughs> you and don't I, need it. And that's it's always such an important question when you're writing about yourself, like how many details are necessary? Yeah. How many details will like just drive you crazy? Right. Or like, what does this feel safe to say? And I realized a lot of it didn't. And so there was a lot of editing of that. And then there was a fear um, what if I've taken out too much and people are going to be like, your childhood doesn't sound that bad because right. it was like I put in, you know, one one hundredth of, of the truth. But then it was actually healing in its own way 
to put in less and have people be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you went through that much. And I'm like, oh, I went through 800 (laughs) times that. But it made me realize that I think so often um, with people who had difficult childhoods, it's so easy to kind of gloss it over and say it wasn't that bad or it wasn't as bad as like maybe traumas you had later in life. But so much of the thesis of the book is that um, everything that happens as a kid really shapes you for the rest of your life. So I think it was important for me to like say a little bit less and realize that even that less still impacted everything. Yeah, of course. And and even, okay, so this is referring particularly to the first draft that I saw. Yeah. I remember feeling like there was a level of unhappiness. Yeah. And I kept wanting to say, but Lane, like, (laughs) you were amazing in comedy and you have this brilliant band and, like, your career is on fire. And, like, (laughs) but sometimes that doesn't matter. No, because what I what I wanted and, you know, um, was able to bridge the gap a little bit more on the on the final like later drafts. But, you know, I think what I've what I've realized in all the different iterations of um, the writing is that I wanted I had a conversation with a friend of mine, (laughs) tiny puppy Winters. (laughs) She's like, oh, mom, you okay?" Um. I had a conversation with my friend the other night and we were talking about um, people in the arts who come from like really uh, solid backgrounds, whether that's really loving families, really wealthy families or both. Oh, you okay? Um, And, you know, she was saying that (laughs) – what, do you have thoughts on this? Um, But she was saying that, you know, like those people work – hard as well just because you have that privilege and I'm like no absolutely it's just that I want to talk about the people the different privileges we do and don't have when moving through our careers when moving through our lives Mm -hmm. and how much of uh, a gigantic privilege having a family that's loving or wealthy or both um, really is and then we don't talk about it and I wanted to explore it more because you know, you can have somebody who, like, it just, the path that it took to, like, being, I don't know, I, it, it's uh, being really successful, I guess. I don't, I still don't feel very successful, but, like, I mean, does anybody? You always have to lift the bar, I assume. Right. right. So, you know, um, I, I'm not feeling that yet, but on paper, yes. Um, but feeling that way and, uh, or, or technically being that and, what it takes to get there for someone who, like, is coming, who's not running the same race as a lot of people. Sure. And wanting to talk about that. So, like, yeah, a lot, like, so that was a big part of what I wanted to do in the book is, like, what people saw was, like, oh, this person's, like, writing for The Onion. This person's on Pitchfork List. This person's on that. And what I came from is so far from all of that. Right. And, you know, I didn't go into it too much, but how much this this industry is... Um, very challenging for people who didn't who didn't come from that or didn't have that guiding hand or didn't have you know the parents who knew sixteen people at Sony right. or whatever right, it is right, you right. know and just how you know because that is a part of of feeling alone and being alone as well as when you don't have like I'm learning even after writing the book oh wait your parents were supposed to like 
tell you how to do life? Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, that would have been so helpful if, like, they could have told you, like, do it like this. And granted, not every parent knows how to do that either. I think they're all just making it up. But that might be. But some yes. of them will be like, oh, you here's what you do here. And then you do this. Right. And then you follow up this way. And right. Mine was like improvisational jazz. I was like, will this work? I don't know. I'm going to try it like this. Like, I laugh when people are like, how did you get from A to B? And I was like, made it like made, made it my up. own rules. Because there's, they, they're like our rules in, in, in so many aspects of, and so many art forms, but we don't give them to everybody. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is its own thing. So then you have to make up your own. Yes. And hope that they work. Right. And that exactly. they're right. And that they're. Yeah. Yeah. That they don't make anyone feel weird. Right. It's terrifying. And there are definitely like plenty of times where I look back on my career and I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't put up with certain things and I wish I'd asked for more. And, you know, but that's all part of the like, you know, telling women to lean in and then when they do we hate it but then we tell them too late and it's just (laughs) and then they put up with crap for years it's just i mean frustrating and and also like we have both been in media which is um just (laughs) we're already (laughs) laughing that was the joke (laughs) exactly i'm just gonna laugh for the next six minutes until the pain subsides but but you talk about your first your internship at the onion yeah and it just sounded tumultuous. Yeah, it was just, you know, there were just a lot of, there were just a lot of things I didn't, I didn't know. Um, I think I go, I think I go, I went into it a little bit less in the, in the, in the book itself because I was just like, uh, I want to, so much of like the earlier drafts were like, yeah, wanting to like really dive into like this and this and this and this and this and all of that. But then I just realized that I didn't want it to sound to like you want to distill the point you're trying to make Mm -hmm. you don't want it to sound like you're like complaining to a therapist Uh you know what I mean and especially because there are so many things about it that were positive but it's just that you know I'm able to look back now and be like oh this is unfortunate like there's some unfortunate (laughs) things about this I wish it had gone a different way and it seems like you know the onion seems like it's it's different from when I was there now so it's like you know and it's wasn't even that long ago but yeah so it's I think internships are are challenging um and and not not in like a classic way but where you're just like I'm not being paid for this this feels strange. And also, like, I was there wanting to be a comedy writer. Like, I wasn't getting college credit, but I was just like, right. I was trying to get in any way that I could. And so that's also going to be a different experience when you're somebody who's taking an internship to get a foot in the door instead of, you know, a few college credits while, like, oh, and I just remember, like, what I remember most about that time was just, like, thinking everybody would be, like, all the other interns would be like me, they would all be mm-hmm. comedians who were trying to get their foot in the door. And then it was mostly all these kids who were like, oh, yeah, my mom's paying for like a five grand a month Park Avenue apartment for me. Is yours not? <laughs> and I was like, nope, I live with like six people. Like, And then, you know, it was just that 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 difference of like, oh, something's something about me is different here. Right. Something about me is, is is strange. Something about me doesn't fit here in this way. And I don't know how to navigate this space and also the stakes are higher for me because I want to be here and these people were going to like go back home and do whatever they're going to do so yeah 
I I love that. So you had to make so many different choices about how you would portray yourself in this book. Yeah. But you also do a kind of Lane Moore character on Tinder Live. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the sort of the anti me. Yeah. In some way. I, it's yeah. really it's it's two different ends of a spectrum. Tell me yeah, about that. Absolutely. Um. So. My Tinder Life character was based on the idea that when I was on... Did you ever use dating apps? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still scarred. That is the correct... Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I did. Don't take that pain away. <laughs> um, but uh, I am... I know she's just going to, like, nuzzle for the rest of this. L- um, Light is just really just against Lane's bosom. I'm sorry. Yes, that's she the really word. is. Just really being a good support dog. She really is. Um... Uh, so my character in Tender Live was based on a thesis that I had when I, so I came up with the idea for Tender Live the first time that I got on Tinder, but I noticed in my experiences on, on Tinder that like when I was funny and like had, I don't know, I had like opinions and, and a heart and a spirit and I had needs and wants, guys like weren't that into it. Right. They just, they didn't really care. Like, they really could kind of, and I had a theory that guys would like me more on Tinder if I was just kind of, like, drunk and horny and something, and, like, a little bit nuts. And it turned out to be true because... (laughs) You've proved it again and again. Again and again for almost six years now. So, like, um, when when I would go on dating apps and I would talk to them like a person, maybe I'd get some engagement, maybe... But, like, on Tinder Live, like, when I just say crazy, like, you know, that word is so loaded. But, like, yeah, when I just sorry. say bizarre things. I know. I'm always, like, mindful of it because it's, like, it's true but not true. And uh, I don't yeah. want to, like, increase the stigma. But um, but just say really bizarre things to men. And, like, if there's the promise of sex, it's, like, they almost do like the, like, oh, she seems wasted and just out of it. And, like, this girl's bonkers. She's great. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> It's like it's wonderful for comedy, but like, but yes. it, it says very real things about how about what a lot of guys want for women. Indeed, and and yeah. um, how about audience reaction to that too? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think what's cool about it is I've heard from so many women um, who've seen Tender Live, and they've felt like. It's given them license to not take the app so seriously and be a little bit sillier and not sure. overthink everything they say, which I'm absolutely here for. And so I think, you know, I think that the the social commentary is like very subtle. So it's not like women are in the audience being like, this is what men want. I've got to get out of here. Like, I think we already know that on we some all, level. We do. We so do. it's catharsis it's, in that it's way. It's very cathartic. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, and then. Men are able to get, uh, well, straight men are, are able to get a a view of like, oh, this is what women are up against on these dating apps. These are the profiles they're seeing. This is why they're exhausted. <laughs> but also like, oh, uh, Lane or, or whoever's on the stage is bringing up how this profile appears to women. I might do things like that and I'm not a bad dude, but I'm appearing like one. So right. there's like an educational aspect. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm very aware that like... A question I get a lot is like, do you ever go out with the guys on Tinder Live? And I'm like, no, because the no. version. Right. It's no. such a strange question. I'm like, the girl they're attracted to is someone I'm not. Right. And I wouldn't want to meet a man who's really into this woman. Right. Right. Like, right. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't know what that to sounds say like a to disaster. them. Yeah. Yes. Agree. Like, even if they just think she's funny, I'm like, but it's not. 
you don't know that. You don't know that she's just funny. Like, this might be who she really is. And if you're okay with that, we're not going to gel. Right. And and I even feel like there's, in the, uh, on a smaller scale, when I was on the apps, yeah. of course, it was, it, it often is a group effort. You ask, yeah. you ask other people what you should say. Totally. Because you're trying to make sense of something that's like, you know, and it's tough because like, I have so many friends who've gotten married and are having Tinder babies. Two of my, two of my couple friends, um... One of them, you know, like Danny Tamborelli and Kate, do you know yeah. them? Yeah. So they um, they met on Tinder and they have an incredible relationship. They just had a kid. Beautiful. And then another friend of mine who I don't know that you know, but they actually had a baby the same day as Danny and Kate and they both met their partners on Tinder. That's So amazing. I had two friends who had Tinder babies on the same day. <laughs> I just feel like it's me. I feel like it's like a, a smaller version of the internet in general. Like there are so many wonderful things. Yeah. If you take away all of the very, very, totally. very well, bad that's, things. And that's the challenge. Like, because I never want to sound completely cynical about it because I have so many friends who are getting married from Tinder. They are. So, mm-hmm. but it's just, I feel like Tinder Live is for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the festivus of comedy shows. Yeah, like, just, for everybody else who isn't having that luck. And even, but there are like, People who met on Tinder who come to the show and, like, they're mindful of the fact that they got lucky on a weird space. Right, yeah. And so they celebrate that, which I think is great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the loneliness involved in, sure. in, in that. Like, yeah. I feel like anybody sitting in the Tinder Live audience yeah. has felt incredibly alone. Yes, totally. And yeah. yes, we we talked the the catharsis is yeah. is what it's really about. Is this? I listened to your TED talk. It oh, was you very did. Good. Oh, thanks. And um, I feel like that's the the act of doing comedy kind of bridges the gap a little bit and leaves totally. you more open. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, Wait, leaves me more open or or the other person, like the you audience, everybody, everybody, Y'all. got it. Okay, the collective <laughs> you. Okay, yes, um, absolutely. So you know, I had I had created Tinder Live before I wrote this book, exploring loneliness, but but Tinder Live exactly, absolutely, also explores uh, explores loneliness and seeks to bring connection in that way. I mean, the thing that I had noticed about. Um, about dating apps and things like that in general. And, you know, and I go into this a, a little bit in the book, but, like, I've been on, like, dating apps, dating websites, like, since I was a kid, which is its own, like, funny but dark mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've explored this. Um, I, I've been in this, I don't know, world for, like, most of my life. And um, one thing I know is that it's its own it's its own separate thing to talk about and in childhood is bizarre uh, not childhood but teen years still right. childhood um but one thing that I know from like using them as as an adult is that it's so lonely and especially with dating apps where like you're just there's just a barrage of people and it's happening at such a quick pace and um I know that my theory was if we could take you know, a comedy show like this and have a room full of people, we would all be going through the apps together. Yeah. And it wouldn't feel so isolating because I think what happens is um, so many women, like, 
and men. Like, I know it's not great for men either, but it's far better. I, I, I will stand by that whenever people are like, yeah, but it's mostly like bots and like people trying to get you to have phone sex or whatever. And I'm just like, OK, it's still not as I don't know. I feel like that's a comparative heaven. Um, but I liked the idea of having a show like this where you can have women in the audience who might tell themselves when they're alone, like, oh, I'm just getting the really crappy dudes. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, men are just saying this to me because I don't deserve anything good. <laughs> right. But just that, like, yeah. that, that the loneliness that comes from feeling like you're the only one who's experienced this, experiencing this negative thing. Right. And so, you know, so much of, I mean, you know, you mentioned this, this earlier of like, um, of the initial um, feeling like it wasn't uplifting. And I was like, well, what if there's a way that I can tie what made it for me? Um, I think where the uplifting portion came in is similar to Tinder Live, pulling in my experiences and wagering that I was not the only one who had felt these things. Yes. And if I can bring these things up that I'd never seen anybody else talk about, maybe there was a connection, a through line that could be found for me, but also for other people. And I found that to be extremely true. And so tell me about some of the people you've heard from who've, yeah. who've read the book. It's I'm, I get like 200 messages a week. It's amazing. It's like <laughs> I try to answer everybody, I but it's a that. lot. But it's and everybody says the same thing, which is that I thought I was the only one. Everybody says that. So like one of my fears was like, what if this is too painful? What if this is too heavy? What if people uh, don't want to go there with me? What if people think I'm too sad? And I address all that right in the first chapter because I thought, all right, instead of doing it the way most people would do it, which is like maybe lead in with like some quirky stuff. Right. I was just like, I'm just going to say some some really real stuff. I'm Uh going to hit you with it right now. This is how I feel. This is how it's felt in my life. Um, and maybe nobody knows what I'm talking about and maybe you don't like this book and I don't know. And, you know, or maybe like you're like me in this way and maybe we'll go through this book together and you'll know, you know, wanting to make the reader feel like I understood them because I've read a lot of books that were like, oh, yeah, my life's been really hard for one weekend in 92. <laughs> and like I don't feel understood or seen by those books. I don't. And so, you know, or it's like someone writes about like, how awful their life is and how alone they were. And then their dedication is like to my loving family, my loving husband. And you're just like, okay. Not that you can't have both, but you know what I mean. I absolutely know what you mean. And I, one of the things that makes your book so special is that there's no easy, happy ending. You're still figuring it out. That's what I, I really feel that way. And then I, I made a, I made a, uh, I made a mistake, which is uh, I looked at Goodreads at one point in my time. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) You should have called me. I would have. I know. I know. I knew. And I had. I knew. But the one thing, and I think about this sometimes, that people will say is, like, the one criticism that I've seen is, like, I, you know, like, they wanted... And it's it's such a it's like 10 percent of people. And I'm grateful for that. It's a really small percentage. But it's like people being like, I wanted a book that would make sure that I would I would would solve everything. And my whole point in this book was that that doesn't exist. And anybody who tells you that exists is lying to you or selling you something. How to win friends and influence people. Just go read that. Right. But like, it's just it's also so insane because like nobody's going to read a book that's like. You know, like that Kat Marnell book that was like how to blow up your life or whatever it was or um, 
like no one's reading that to get that answer. (laughs) So I'm like, why am I held to like a strange standard of like, (laughs) I have to make sure no one's ever alone after they read my book. And (laughs) the whole book, I I really, truly feel like these people didn't read it because the whole the whole truth is like there are there are those self-help elements. There are answers and they're not. They're not pat because those answers are lies. There's nothing that's going to – Matt, like, what am I going to do? Tell you to get married? You're never – like, people cheat. People die. Like, that's not – there's no one thing that's going to solve it. And that's what I wanted to explore. I feel like literally with you sitting here with lights in your lap, the, the only thing that yeah. is like, – get, like, get a dog. Get a dog. Yeah, I, I really think that's like <laughs> – It's a, Well, because that was another thing that I wanted – to explore in the book. And it was funny because before I got lights, um, I'm writing the book and everything. And she's like literally just laid down on my lap. I'm writing the book and I was like trying to figure out like I want there to be some sort of happy ending because of course that's what you want. Right. And I was like, well, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not going to get married anytime soon. And also I wouldn't like that as the ending anyway because that's the ending to so many women's stories is – I had so much childhood pain, and then I got married, and then it was fine. And then oftentimes, I've seen those same authors in their second book, they're divorced. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there you go. But we as a culture, uh, some people really want that. And then I got married, and it saved me. We want it so badly. And I, I'm really incredibly proud that my book is not that. My Absolutely. book is I Got a Dog. <laughs> <laughs> because for so many people— Especially if if people have been challenging for you, so many people find solace in animals. Like she's, we we spoon every night. It's very intense. Like, <laughs> but she's everything to me. Like she's just this. And I wanted to present that um, as an option. And I hear from so many people who have the same story, where like they're still healing a lot of those um, relational wounds. And I really believe the way that I look at. Uh, lights is I think she's a bridge like that's how I see her where it's like I had never felt unconditional love before this dog ever Um, I had never safely loved someone really truly before this dog and I feel like she's allowed me and I've read books about trauma that have talked about how animals can absolutely be that for many people who've experienced a lot of trauma and have uh, a challenge in connecting with people Mm -hmm. and you know, then you're able to like safely explore this. It's really beautiful. So I wanted to, you know, bridge that as an option for people who like might be afraid of people or might still have so many of us still have those wounds. So many. Yeah. No matter how, you know, I hear from people a lot who will say like, my story isn't your exact story, but your feelings are my exact feelings where. Yes. That I think is really interesting. Even see like, one of the narratives that I wanted in my head when I when I read your book was yeah. I wanted to hear you say, but I found fulfillment and joy in comedy and in right. music. <laughs> and so I didn't need the other stuff. Didn't need which other stuff? <laughs> the 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 unconditional love or the Nope, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. I just like, I'm like I'm gonna say right now, hard pass. Nope. I'm I'm coming at this as like, but how do I make narrative sense of this? Right. Well, because so it's interesting. I had I had talked to um a friend of mine who lives in LA, and I had talked to him, and I was like, I was like, you don't date that much, you know, you don't have a lot of close friends. Like, how are you able 
to do to do that, how are you able to just not care about it? And he's like, well, Lane, I had a I had a really great family. When you don't have that baseline, you're working with an empty bucket. Like you can't mm-hmm. fill it up with other stuff. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I do get immense fulfillment, immense fulfillment out of that. But um, and I don't go into it too much in the book, but like what happened there is work addiction. Because again, I can't fill that bucket. I can't. So I know, you know, I know. So, you know, I get so much joy out of uh, out of comedy and music and writing and acting. And it's my lifeblood. It's always been my lifeblood. But and I'm so grateful that I have it. And I think it's one of the biggest reasons that I've survived is because I have these outlets mm-hmm. um, and they give me so much joy. Um, and I rewatch the same. I have rewatched all seven seasons of New Girl twice since, like, <laughs> September. So, and people are always like, how do you find the time? And I was like, well, you make the time. Yes. But, like, living in these worlds, um, you know, getting really uh, obsessed with books and movies and music and all of these things, that idea of fantasy, one of the things I'm trying to do now is kind of Remove myself a little bit from that because it can be kind of unhealthy. Yes. Because you, you don't want to live in your own life, and you know, and Just I would like to live in my life. I think it can't it's, be escapism all the time. Right. But that was how I survived Abs- yeah. for most of my life. So now yeah. I'm like, maybe we step out and we, instead of watching a show about people who live in New York, what if we went and go live <laughs> in New York? Like, just like... Because I do so much of that. Yeah. Where it's like, I'll just watch them live here (laughs) from the comfort of my home. And it's like, or you could walk down Avenue A. Like, there's (laughs) there's a way to trying to take the, like, the training wheels off. Like, it's so easy to get stuck in the ways you survived. And also, there is more, I firmly believe this, there's more joy to be found in my creating comedy and music things when it's coming from a place of not trying to fill something. And I, a lot of people don't need to explore that. A lot of people just <laughs> right. want to fill the bucket and leave. I want to have everything. I want to have, I want to have some manner of family, some close family. Like, I want to have that richness. I don't want to be creating art from a place of, of pain. I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I think a lot of people fear that. Like, if they heal things, they won't be as funny. For me... I have enough pain to last <laughs> lifetimes. <laughs> I'm not worried about healing some of it. I think I'll, I'll still be funny. Like, I've watched myself heal, and I've gotten funnier and kinder, and, and like, it's 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 a positive thing. I love this. And and Lights is basically smiling right now. <laughs> well, proud like, of you. Yeah. Um, she helps so, so oh. much. I love my life so much more with a dog. Just, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, yeah, tell me um, if if don't worry if you don't have it off the top of your head. Sure. Um, what have you been reading? Um, I recently, so I haven't been reading a bunch lately. I just read. Okay, this, these books are so silly. I just read a book about the history of the haunted mansion at Disney World because it's my favorite ride. That sounds so fun. Right. There's a couple there's a couple books about it. And I love like all the little intricacies and like the history of it. And um, it used to be a part of like New Orleans Square and they tried to tie it with um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And then they realized that was a little bit strange. <laughs> I, so I love reading things like that. Um, I really want to read uh, Liz Fair's new book. Have you read it yet? Yes. I'm so excited about She's it. So, so there's a lot yeah. of books I'm waiting to yes. arrive at my doorstep. And I want to read Blondie's new book. I really love... Um, 
I love nonfiction. I love a memoir. I especially love a rock and roll memoir. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved Heart has a really amazing book. Ooh, I have Um, to get on that. You have to get on that. It's very good. I really liked it. Also, Pat Benatar's book I really liked. Um, I wasn't, like, the biggest Pat Benatar fan until I saw her behind the music. And I was like, only because I'd I'd only kind of heard Hit Me With Your Best Shot. And that's just, I'm not that big of a fan of that song. I've heard it at a lot of karaoke's and it's fine. Sure. I thought that was where she started and ended. And also she was – one of my favorite things has become, like, examining who someone was mar- marketed as versus, uh, as a woman versus right. who they were. And Pat Benatar is such a case of that. I think I didn't really respond to her because she was marketed as this, like, I'm cute, but I'm tough kind of. I'm right. cute. <laughs> and she was really tough. And they market her as this, like, sexy little tough girl. And she was actually incredibly tough and really cool. And so – I really love, like, finding out, oh, what I didn't like about you is what you didn't like about your own marketing either. Yeah. Which I think is, oh, so rich. Lane, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for having Lights, me. Lights, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting up now. She's, she, would, she would speak if she could. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.